What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Draft Podcast. I'm Carlos Colazo, joined by Peter Flaherty. As always, we're recording this right after the Rangers won the World Series in five games against the D-backs. It's uh, the morning of November 2nd on Thursday as we record this. Peter, how are you doing, man? I'm doing excellent. It was a uh, it was a fun World Series. I think you nailed your prediction. I know you said the Rangers, but I don't know if it was in five or six. I said in five, but I'm going to just go ahead and be honest. It's a completely random guess, and I'm not going to take any credit for it other than luck. So if you want to give me credit for it, that's great, but um, it is entirely undeserved on my part, I think. <laughs> well, I'll absolutely give you credit for it because it's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I, I – the World Series is always fun to watch, no matter who's playing, no matter how many games it goes. Um, the Rangers just, I mean, they were firing all cylinders. Corey Seager was outstanding on, in all facets of the game. They were super impressive. So uh, a very um, a very great showing for them that ends with their first World Series title in franchise history. And then for the D-backs, mm. um, I mean, the, the Cinderella team of the postseason, I know that they were – very ahead of schedule and you know making it here but they've got a fun young core to build around and i think that the future is pretty bright yeah what would you give this postseason the entirety of the postseason a grade on the 2080 scale Ooh, i'm trying to decide between a 40 and a 45 but it's only because i feel like the last few years prior to this one was just explosive in every round this year it felt like the opening round was kind of lukewarm a bunch of 2-0 sweeps uh the second round across the board i thought was a lot of fun and then the world series wasn't quite as competitive as maybe we've had in recent years so i think i might go i think i might go 40 but that feels a little pessimistic i, I will say this like any any baseball postseason compared to whatever else you could be watching is going to be a 70 or an 80. Uh, but relative to the norm for MLB's postseason, I might go 40. I think I'm with you on the 40. Like every wild card was a sweep and then the DSs weren't as exciting. And then you get, it, it started really slow and then it made up for it in the mm. CS both went seven and then the world series kind of back to the. Yeah. You know, if we just had a few games. more competitive games in the World Series, I think it could have pushed me to a 45. Obviously, that would have been really cool. But it just felt like, in general, fewer competitive series. And, and before people go crazy on me, I don't think it's a below average grade because we didn't have the biggest market teams in the World Series. I like the fact that we had some new faces and um, some new jerseys in the World Series. I think it's cool for the sport. Um, and I think a lot of the TV rating stuff is pretty overblown in general, just considering general tv rating trends overall like uh us us millennials and you zoomers peter aren't really uh getting cable subscriptions these days (laughs) (laughs) exactly i'm i'm strictly youtube tv uh nowadays (laughs) yeah all right cool so that's that's my world series take for the podcast and we can get straight into draft stuff unless you've got something else you want to say before we talk some more players no i'm i'm ready to hop in sweet So today we are looking at players number 16 through 20 on our 2024 Top 100 board. Um, I'm excited about this episode because I can just kind of sit back and let Peter carry us. It's four college players uh, (laughs) to just one high school player. Um, But I I think a lot of these players are interesting. It's it's really different profiles for every single player that we're going to talk through today. Uh, Various strengths and weaknesses, defensive profiles um yeah and interesting players players i think who probably 
maybe collectively across the board could be higher on our list on our next update. Um, but we can get into that as we dial through each player. Uh, but first up, we have Stanford catcher Malcolm Moore. He's a draft-eligible sophomore this year, entered the 2023 season as one of the best pure hitters in the incoming freshman class, lived up to that reputation. He hit 311, 386, 564 with 15 homers, 20 doubles for Stanford in his freshman season. What are your thoughts on uh, Malcolm Moore, Peter? Yeah, I mean, you hit on it. was probably the highest touted freshman, I'd say, who made it to campus and and probably the one that people are most excited about heading into last season. Freshman All-American, as you said, at 311 with 20 doubles, 15 home runs, and then a 63 RBI, ranked third on a really good Stanford team that made it to Omaha. Um, I think the biggest question mark with him was his catching and his ability behind the plate. And I think that for a true freshman who caught every day on a really good team and a really, really good pitching staff, I thought he handled himself fine back there. I mean, it was only nine pass balls throughout 10 of, I think, 38 base dealers, um, which I thought, you know, it's a respectable mark. Uh, The receiving still needs work. I think his overall setup back there still needs work. I'm not like a huge anti like one knee guy. Like I'm not, I'm not in that camp. I just don't know how well it works for him on some of his throws. He looked rushed. Uh, They were inaccurate at times, but the calling card with him obviously is the bat. And it's interesting. He's got one of the most unorthodox setups in the plate in college baseball. It's, it's kind of a one of one setup. Mm -hmm. His front side is, is basically completely open and the opposing pitcher can, can basically just see the Stanford across his chest. (laughs) Um, and it's a series of like small toe taps almost that like leads into a bigger toe tap. Mm. And it's so weird looking, but I mean, it works. I, I, I wouldn't really mess with it. There's present bat speed. He's got obviously plus power, big time plus power to the pull side. Um, he's a, I mean, I'd say at this point, he he's a fastball hitter. Um, he really, I, I think there were times where he struggled to pick up spin, 88% overall contact rate against fastballs and then a 96% in zone contact rate against fastballs. And then there were some swing and miss concerns and expanding the zone against spin, but um, really impressive bat. I think that the catching in the defense um, it's going to continue to, to take a step forward um, as he heads into his sophomore year. Um, and just a, a big time pure hitter that, you know, we talk about all the time The catchers who can hit are at a premium and, you know, I, I think the middle of the first round is is a good spot for him. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I thought coming into last year that Moore would be a guy who quickly moved off the position at catcher. Just looking back at our high school reports and feedback from scouts at the time, uh, people made it seem like an inevitability that he was moving off catcher and moving to first. He was a big physical player. Uh, he, he never really moved well behind the plate in high school. His arm grade also backed up a little bit, but... Kind of like what you were saying, it it sounds like he was better than advertised behind the dish, even if he's still a bat-first catcher. If you can do enough just to stick there and have the bat profile, that obviously helps your your overall value out quite a bit. The secondary swing and miss concerns are really interesting with Moore. I'll be curious how he addresses that, because just hearing the fastball contact rate that you mentioned... And then looking at his secondary contact rate, I mean, he had a 41% miss rate against all secondary types per synergy, which is extremely high. 
the chase rate is also quite a bit higher there. So I'm not sure if it's some sort of a pitch recognition issue, if it has to do with just all the moving parts in his operation. Like he has to kind of get set up for the fastball with all that moving parts. So maybe he's just out in front too early and has to make a decision too soon on the secondary pitches but you're right he does have a lot of bat speed the fact that he can get in good launch position for those fastballs and for good velocity fastballs um is solid i I imagine we're going to hear a lot about his swing over the next six months or so and whether or not he needs to make adjustments whether or not that'll work in pro ball you hear every year there's a few players that have kind of an unorthodox swing nolan shanwell uh obviously it's worked for him so un- until they start not hitting or not performing with an unusual setup i'm not too concerned about it but it will be interesting to hear like what scouts are thinking about that this spring what adjustments he makes i mean do you think if he moves off catcher he's still a first round talent peter do you think the bat and the power is that impressive or how would that positional change impact your evaluation of him I mean, the bat is legit for sure. I, I gosh, that's a great question. Um, because I think if you look, you know, elsewhere on the board at, at some of these potentially bat first catchers, one guy that I talked about a, a little while ago, obviously, um, Kevin Bazell from Texas Tech's an interesting one, Jacob Kozart, Caleb Lomavita, not saying they're all bat first, but it's a pretty good crop of catchers. And if you, you know, if a team views Malcolm Moore as a first base, like corner outfield type, I think it's definitely hit to his stock a little bit, um, but I don't know how long you can pass up on that offensive profile. So I think he's more of a would be more of a later first round, early, early second round type um, if he were to move off catcher. But I think that at least to start, um, whatever organization drafts him is going to try and work on the catching and get him as polished as possible back there and, and get the most out of him because um you know, I, I think it's worth a shot. But as you said, the arm grade, I'd probably, you know, it's average. There were a couple that I thought were maybe a tick above. The best throw of his season was actually the last throw of his season. Um, it came in Omaha against Tennessee. It was a, I, I mean, throw a potential base dealer. It was really low, right on the money, um, carried through the base. Uh, it was a nice kind of end to his season. So I think if he can just refine the actions a little bit back there and get a little bit more mobile it's going to go a long way i just think that the like the overall package um it, it just needs refining defensively but as we've said the bat the bat is legit and with the pitch recognition stuff i think that you hit on it the first thing that people are going to point to is that operation i thought it was a great point where you know he's got to be on time for the fastball which is probably what was drilled into his head with like having this swing it's like hey you know what you've got all these moving parts like you know don't get beat by a fastball and with that you know maybe he's a little bit out front uh maybe struggles picking up spin out of the hand so i'm curious to see if it if it looks the exact same in the box or if he's you know cleaned it up a little bit yeah seeing seeing how that changes will be uh something i'm watching for next year just watching him against secondary stuff to see if i can figure out like what what exactly is the issue is it a mechanical issue is it just a pitch recognition general issue Uh, but i think it's also worth pointing out too that catcher defense it feels like catcher defense from the amateur ranks to professional baseball is the biggest sort of gap in our evaluation and just the the polish that players are able to add the coaching you get the amount of reps you get when you're in a pro um, system not worrying about school really focusing on that full-time getting very good instruction at the position there are a lot of players who 
kind of exceed our expectations for catcher defense and, and surprise us. So, yeah, you can't write it out, and certainly whoever selects him will be trying him out at the position because that bat is pretty fearsome if he's uh, if he's in your lineup as an everyday catcher. Um, any, any final thoughts on more before we move on? No, I, I, I think we touched on him perfectly. Cool. All right, next guy is Seaver King, a shortstop, second base, third baseman, uh, really can play all over the infield. Um, he's going to be joining a very strong Wake Forest team this spring after two really loud seasons with Division II Wingate in North Carolina. Uh, I think he was the talk of the summer for, for the college class in a lot of respects. Um, he hit 411, 457, 699 with 11 home runs, 13 stolen bases in 2023. At that Division II level, he looked really good in the Cape Cod League. He played with Team USA. Looked good there. He's just this twitchy, fast, uh, hitterish middle infield type um, that has a lot of defensive versatility, I would imagine. I would love to see him play shortstop all spring. It doesn't sound like that's at least the plan for Wake Forest next year, Peter. But what are your thoughts on Seaver King? I know he's a, a bit of a personal favorite for you. You were very high on him before I knew much about him at all. Um, so talk us through Seaver King. Yeah, so he he is one of my personal favorites. I got tipped off on him last spring around April or so. Um, was the best player at the Division II level last spring. He hit 411 with 20 doubles, 11 home runs, and 53 RBIs. I think his max exit velo was 112, 113. And then, as you mentioned, um, he, he earned a spot on Team USA, which I can't remember the last time a Division II guy earned a spot on USA's final roster. He obviously got a camp invite, um, but he also he made the final team, which is very impressive. And then he also tore up the Cape League in a brief 16-game stint he had there. He hit 424 with five extra base hits, nine RBIs, almost as many walks as he as he had strikeouts. Um, just super, super athletic. It's a really explosive operation in the box. He's got a low handset thunderous bat speed double plus bat speed I'd, I'd say there's above average power to the pull side um but he's got a, advanced bat to ball skills he had an 88 percent in zone contact rate between the cape and team usa which at least when kind of digging in on on the nitty-gritty with king i'm more focused on the cape and usa as opposed to wingate um just because that's going to be the type of talent he sees in the acc and and obviously going forward um, but he's a plus runner. He's turning 70 run times at, 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 on occasion. Um, and then I think that the biggest question mark with him is the position. Um, he's had time at second, short, third. He played all over the infield at USA. But I think his speed and athleticism would translate really well in center field. And that's where he's gotten some run this fall for Wake. And, and the reviews have been positive um, defensively. So, if he can show that he's a pro level center fielder, I, I mean, the ceiling as to where he's selected in the draft, I think it increases just that much more. Um, we have him at 17. I mean, I think that the ceiling would then be, you know, top 15, top 10 type, but um, he's a really fun overall player. It's a, it's a fun profile. Um, he's shown really well with the bat this fall too for wake. Um, I think I've, looking at the analytics Twitter account, at least, which, which is great. Um, he's got four or five home runs, including one in a game against Elon. So he hasn't missed a beat in the transition from division two to a high level D one program. So I'm, I'm really excited about him. 
Yeah, it feels like this is a guy who just hits no matter where he's at. So far, that's been the case. His track record is excellent. I am excited for him moving to the ACC. He's going to face quite a bit more velocity. Um, but if you look at just a small sample of 92-plus mile-per-hour pitches that he's seen, his production versus velocity is impressive. It's only 73 pitches uh, that we have in synergy of that of that velocity, but he's hit 350, 381, 500. Uh, it's an 82% contact rate against that pitch, which is probably above average. Um, the one thing that I see in his profile, just kind of looking at the data, uh, looking at all the numbers, is he maybe chases a little bit too much. Um, but I could also see him being just such an advanced hitter at that Division II level um, to where he, he's kind of fine just expanding the zone because he knows he can do damage on a variety of pitches at that level. I'll, I'll be curious if his approach, like how he adjusts his approach to more consistent high-end pitching in the ACC, what that chase rate uh, looks like over a 2024 season. Are there any obvious like holes in his profile? You said the maybe the defensive profile is the biggest question, but that question seems to be more about like where is he best where is he best suited as an everyday player rather than we're not sure if he can play these positions if that makes sense like it almost feels like a positive that he can move around so many positions rather than a negative or are there any like obvious question marks that you still have in the profile that you'd like to be answered next spring i think with the defense i think that that was a perfect way to sum it up i think it's less so like oh siever can can't play short or he can't play second it's more so he can play center field, um, which just kind of adds to his versatility. Um, and I think that Wake unlocking that and sticking him out there and just letting him use his speed, his athleticism, and just letting him run around um, is going to be really beneficial. You mentioned it. He does have the tendency to you know, expand the strike zone, chase against spin, but it hasn't been anything, at least to this point, that's really hindered his production, hindered his game. So I'd say – maybe a little bit in the approach there's a little bit to tighten up but other than that there isn't a whole lot to kind of poke a hole yeah in. yeah it's, it's easy to get really nitpicky for a guy who's hit over 400 seemingly for his college <laughs> career so <laughs> we're waiting for him to fail for the first time we'll see what happens but no he's a fun player he's he's electric to watch his his hands working in the box are fun uh watching him just take off from home plate is is a lot of fun too so he is a fun player I can't imagine what this Wake team is going to look like. I have very high expectations uh, for that program, just the amount of talent they have. And him in that ballpark, too, I, I imagine he's going to put up some... I mean, for for anyone watching college baseball who's tuned in, it maybe is not surprising when a Wake Forest player puts up big home run totals, but just looking at him physically and seeing the, the home run totals he could wind up with at the end of the year might surprise some people who maybe aren't aware that the Wake is a very friendly hitter hitter's park. I was gonna say, and looking at him, you might not you might not guess it, but there's 20 home run upside with King, and I, and with that, there'll be 20 home run, 20 stolen base upside. Like he's he's that good and that much of a dual threat. Yeah, so that's Seaver King, definitely one to watch out for. Maybe not a household name in college baseball just yet, but probably will be pretty quickly. Um, maybe a bigger name in terms of uh, the pr- production and performance on a national level is. Charlie Condon, uh, first baseman, corner outfielder at Georgia. He had one of the best freshman seasons in the country. He was named Baseball America's Freshman of the Year after he slugged over 800, hit 25 home runs. His overall slash line was 386, 44, uh, 800. Again, 25 homers, 10 doubles. He struck out 17% of the time, walked 13% of the time. So really just 
fantastic offensive numbers overall. He also played with the USA Baseball's team this summer. I got to see him a little bit. Um, he's a big physical player, six foot six, two hundred eleven pounds. Has some long levers, a little bit of length in the swing that can lead to some swing and miss, but. It's a pretty solid all-around offensive profile, and he's got the power to leave the yard from foul pole to foul pole. So what are your thoughts on Charlie Condon, Peter? Yeah, I mean, he exploded onto the scene last year. He missed all of 2022. Um, he got some experience in the Northwoods League in the summer of 2022 where he showed well. But you hit on it last year. He had 386, 10 doubles, 25 home runs, 67 RBI as a redshirt freshman. Our freshman of the year was on Team USA. I mean, the calling card, obviously, with him is the bat. It's super loose, easy swing, big-time bat speed. You mentioned it. There, it, it gets a little bit long at times, but I think similar to Nick Kurtz a little bit from the left side, at 6'6", Condon's overall operation and swing, I'd say, is almost uniquely compact and explosive for someone of you know him and Kurtz's size. Um, it, I really like the hand action. There's big time buggy whip, super loose barrel really gets moving through the hitting zone. Um, and then there's plus borderline double plus power to all fields, especially to the pull side, definitely double plus. And I'd also say the pure hit tool is a borderline six and there's above average bat to ball skills with an 87% in zone contact rate. And similar a little bit to Seaver King, who we just hit on there is zero issue with velo he hammers fastballs against fastballs 92 plus he hit 372 and then i think even if his defensive future is at first base or left field two positions that aren't viewed totally as premium um i mean the bat is going to be really hard to pass on for that long i think and i think regardless of where a team views him where they stick him it's a top 25 top 30 type assuming he continues his production so uh, one of the the more gaudy offensive profiles, I'd say, in the draft. Yeah, I think I probably have a, a less a less positive view of him personally, just because a, a few of my in person looks just weren't his best. But looking into his profile, seeing how he performs against each pitch type, how he handles velocity, the like it's not elite contact skills, but it's I think it's pretty solid considering the power production that that he provides. Uh, he performed against fastballs. You mentioned the the velocity he performed against well. Uh, I expected there to be a little more swing and miss against 92+. plus. That wasn't the case. He handles secondary pitches, both breaking balls and off-speed offerings really well. There's, there's not an obvious hole in the swing in terms of just the production that he's had so far. So I think I probably just need to try and discount my own personal looks where he wasn't... He didn't look like the player in my looks who went off but i just need to trust the fact that pretty much everywhere else he was phenomenal um so it's, it's kind of hard to for me to throw out my like first look at him um but i really don't see an obvious hole in the offensive profile and it seems like he's got more than enough power to profile nicely even if he's going to stick at first base do you think he is one of these like lumbering first baseman that you're just sticking there um, because the bat is so good, or can he provide some value as a defender at the position, even if it's not a position you're looking to get uh, gold glovers? I mean, I think he's a fine defender. Like he's not Nick Kurtz over there, which I don't think anyone is, but he's certainly not like an Ophi, like heavy footed type guy. Like there is a little bit of, I'd say nimbleness and, and agility to his game. 
Mm-hmm. So right now we have Charlie Condon at 18 overall. We have Tommy White at six. How different do you view those profiles? Do you think they're a lot closer than the the rankings might indicate in terms of overall value? Um, obviously with uh, with Condon, you have one year. Uh, Tommy White's done it a few years and also had his his high school track record. Um, how do you view those profiles? Like compare and contrast them. That's a great question, and honestly, I think you know even if they end up both at first base, which I think that, you know, scouts and and the decision makers are probably betting that's where they, they do both end up. I think white's bat is just that good that it, that it has him up in the, you know, top six to top 10 range. So I think it's more just white's bat being that good. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Anything else on condom before we move on to our, our next player? No, I, I think that in your look at USA, though, it's an interesting point because I know that obviously contributing factor, everything's really a contributing factor to a player's draft stock, but wood bat track record and, and wood bat production is certainly one. He had a, again, it's a small sample. It was only 11 games, but he was pretty quiet on the Cape, hit 260 with two extra base hits. The K walk ratio was fine. Um, it's never really been an issue for Condon, but um, just just an interesting point. Yeah, he, he's one that I definitely need to bear down a little bit more on in the spring um, just to try and, I guess, add, add some more depth to my personal looks on him because most of most of my work on Condon has been from afar and, and the in-person looks are just... Uh, and maybe it's a case of my expectations being sky high for, for a guy who had the sort of freshman season that he did. Um, but again, as we're talking through him, like it's a pretty complete offensive package with a lot of thumb. So definitely one of the elite sluggers in this class. There are a lot of power hitting corner profile guys in this college class. Um, and he seems like a pretty safe first rounder if he continues to do anything close to what he did last year. So, uh, let's move on to our first pitcher of the day. That is left-hander Hagen Smith out of Arkansas. Um, we're, we're beyond the draft eligible sophomores. Now this will be his third year in college. He was a pretty prominent high school prospect um, who had Tommy John surgery, missed some of the summer showcase circuit entering his senior year. Um, but he had a pretty phenomenal senior spring. He threw seven no hitters in his first 10 high school starts. I mean, you see some pretty gaudy high school statistics uh, and performances from a lot of these players who are going to go play at the next level. Um, but that's pretty loud, pretty impressive. I remember scouts just raving about him. He's always had pretty loud stuff. Uh, and I think there are always questions about, was he a starter? Was he a reliever? What are the strikes looking like with him? I would say he's been a bit of an effectively wild starter for Arkansas in his first two years. Solid performances, and he, I think he took a big step forward from 2022 to 2023. The ERA dropped about a run. Uh, it was a 4.66 ERA in 2022, uh, down to 3.64 in 2023. The average fastball velocity ticked up a bit year over year. Uh, I think he was sitting around 90, 91 miles per hour on average in 22. That jumped up to 93. He was more consistently in the mid 90s, touching upper 90s. He also upped the slider usage quite a bit, and I think the slider might be his best pitch. Um, so that led to quite a bit more overall swing and miss in his game. The strikeout rate jumped from 25% to 35%, and largely the walks and the strikes overall stayed the same. So Hagen Smith, very electric left-handed pitcher, uncomfortable at bat, moving parts on the mound. 
like all these pitchers in in this class, though, how much are the reliever questions and the strikes gonna gonna scare you moving forward, Peter? What are your thoughts on Hagen Smith? Yeah, you know the thinness on slam dunk starters in the class as we work down the board, it becomes more and more apparent. I I feel pretty confident in Smith's ability to start, even though last year he kind of split time between the bullpen and, and the rotation. Um, I think it was just Arkansas using him wherever they, you know, I, I guess could maximize their production on the mound. They dealt with a, a ton of injuries last year, um, missed a lot of pieces. But nonetheless, I, I think putting him, you know, labeling him an effectively wild starter is a is a good assessment of him. The strike throwing did improve year over year from 22 to 23. The walks were down. Um, the ERA dropped by a, a little bit more than a full run. He did throw, you know, six less innings, but that's splitting hairs at this point. Um, he's a big kid. I know that Coach Hobbs at Arkansas, I heard an interview with him. He said that Smith put on a little bit more weight, like good weight, and is just built like an absolute house now in the best way, like superimposing on the mound. Um, there's some natural funk in his delivery that I think helps his super impressive, already impressive arsenal play up um, the fastball, as you mentioned, averaged almost 93 last year, he'll pitch in the three to six range. But I mean, this fall, it seems like his velo is taking another jump. Um, we've heard, you know, in the last few weeks, um, it kind of made its rounds on Twitter or I guess X, but um, his fastball has been up to a hundred um, in 2023. It had an impressive 29% miss rate. And then I think the calling card is his hellacious mid to high 80 slider um, that is a borderline 70 in my book. Um, 48% miss rate in 23, tons of sweeping action, really, really tough on left-handed hitters. He'll release it almost behind, almost behind them, and then it'll end up in the right-handed hitters batter's box at times. And he's got enough feel for the pitch where he's able to manipulate the shape really well, and he'll make it more vertical against right-handed hitters. And then kind of circling back a little bit to the point about, you know, how confident are you in his ability to start? Um, I'd say the changeup right now is on track to be the most viable third option, but he flashed it in 23 threw it 7% of the time. It was in the high eighties. Um, it had some nice tumbling action. It could be a plus pitch down the road. Um, and then he's also thrown a cutter, which is really just a, a shorter version of a slider. So, I'm pretty confident relatively in Smith's ability to start. I think that, you know, after splitting time between the bullpen and the rotation last year, he'll be the headliner. He'll be the Friday guy for Arkansas this year. I don't see how you can not have him be your guy going forward, um, which is, I think, the plan. So uh, I expect a pretty big year for for Smith. Mm. Yeah, the changeup is interesting because kind of looking at the year-over-year pitch usage, he used it about 13% of the time in 2022, then knocked that down to 7% in 2023. It's never surprising to me when college players, especially college players who have such nasty secondaries like Hagen Smith does in his slider, like it doesn't surprise me that you don't throw the changeup too often because you're a left-handed pitcher throwing in the mid-90s with that sort of breaking ball. Using a changeup, even if you have a solid one, is probably just giving hitters a better chance to get on base against you more than anything. So it's understandable to me um, in that sort of environment where you're really focused on winning. But I am curious in, in how that pitch evolves for him. 
it seems like he's got the least feel of it compared to all the pitches that he's throwing currently, which makes sense. It's a field pitch. Uh, it's kind of a fringy or below average control pitcher overall. Um, and he's throwing the fastball and slider much more often. So you, you get locked in with those pitches. He threw it for strikes less than half the time. I mean, I don't think he would have to use a changeup a ton to succeed in a starting role, but I feel like at the next level, when you're going to have right-handed hitters who are going to be more capable uh, of at least taking competitive swings against that slider, just having a reliable third offering that's moving away from a right-handed pitcher would make me feel a little bit more confident. I think even more than the changeup, though, I would like to see him take a step forward with the strikes and with the command. Um, if he can be more precise with his fastball in the zone, um, just have some easier innings, not get the pitch count up so high. I think that would be really encouraging for me because this is a player that I would love to have in a starting role, but like basically all but like three pitchers I can think of at the top of this college class. I just, I'm skeptical of it because the strikes have always been erratic. Um, but that's the one area like, like I would much rather him come out and show a eight to 10% walk rate than a fastball that's sitting 95 plus. Like I know he can throw hard. I want to see how, how effectively he can actually pitch. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting debate for sure, because looking a little bit further down the board um, and a little bit of a foreshadowing to next week, like comparing him and like a Jonathan Santucci or even like a Cam Caminiti, um it's an interesting kind of debate and then also when looking at him with the arms up at the top i know brecht obviously might have the most electric stuff in all of college baseball and then caglione again is the two-way talent but um there i there's certainly starter risk up there especially with caglione i think burns maybe a little bit less so especially now with mm. him being awake um but like comparing him to Brecht and Caglione is a really interesting debate especially if a team views Caglione as a PO even though I think he's going to get the chance to do both no matter what but yeah um just an interesting little wrinkle yeah man this this pitching this pitching crop does just not exude a lot of confidence that we're going to get a ton of starters but <laughs> you know we were we were down on the 2019 pitching class in college at the time and it looks it looks pretty good so far but still we don't have a george kirby in this class that i'm aware of maybe we do and he's hiding somewhere and he's going to pop up next spring but as of now not aware of that player uh any final comments on hagan smith before we move on um to our last player and our only high school player yeah, I mean, I think as far as the strike throwing goes, I'm with you that I'd like to see the continued progression in in that same interview with Coach Hobbs where he had mentioned the, <clears throat> excuse me, the 100 mile an hour fastball and the 99 mile an hour fastball. Um, he mentioned that he was attacking the zone a lot more, was was in and around the strike zone, making a lot more competitive pitches. So if if he can carry that over from the fall to the spring, I think it's gonna put a lot of people's minds at ease and it only help his draft stock. And then I'm with you mm. in, in the development of a third pitch, even though he's got really advanced feel for his slider and probably the best feel of his arsenal. That's, that's the pitch he's got the best feel for. Um, I think it's going to be key to develop a viable third offering because whether you pitch in, no matter where you pitch in college baseball or where you play, there's still a pretty big gap between the sec big 12 ACC and professional baseball, like professional hitters can put wood on a bullet. They can put a, a, a good swing on your best breaking ball. So um, I think it's really important for him, you know, to remain a starter 
to to continue to refine that change up or cutter or whatever he decides is is his best bet going forward yeah absolutely nope another fun one to watch again we, we talk about this class a lot there are a lot of question marks but in some ways it makes the spring even more exciting you can see who addresses their their weaknesses who takes a step forward who doesn't um so plenty of of things to look out for on the college side but for our final player on today's episode we're going back to the prep ranks we are going to talk about uh harvard westlake high the powerhouse another powerhouse socal um high school program at harvard westlake that's bryce rayner uh both a shortstop and a right-handed pitcher there are a number of two-way players in this class we've already talked about a number uh, of them in this podcast series jack caglione connor griffin Braden montgomery there are plenty more to talk through bryce rayner is is another one of them that i think has legitimate upside at the next level and in pro ball as a hitter or as a pitcher he has hit more frequently in his high school career um but just the flashes that he's shown on the mound and again i have shorter looks on these players than a lot of the scouts who've been watching these guys throughout their entire career but watching him at the area code games you see a big bodied kid i mean he's listed at six foot four 195 pounds it's a great frame a lot of projection he has solid actions defensively with a big arm i think he has a solid approach at the plate he's willing to take a walk but um didn't see a ton of impact in in these looks i know he's got power in the tank but um it wasn't maybe the most electric offensive showing but he stepped on the mound and threw one inning at area codes and it was such an easy 95 96 with this hammer curveball that he spun well he located well and it was like a very quick i think it was a one two three inning if i'm remembering it correctly um, but it was extremely loud. And I know leaving that event, there were a lot of scouts who were super intrigued with him as a pitcher, more so than as a hitter. I might be in that camp. I'd like to see him throw some more, but man, it's just so easy on the mound. He's so athletic. Harvard Westlake had Jack, Jack Flaherty uh, a number of years ago, and I'd heard some people compare Bryce Rayner to Flaherty. And if you look at Jack Flaherty's draft profile, uh, or his his scouting report as a high schooler there are a lot of similarities there so i think that's a fun comp it's the same school shortstop right-handed pitcher um but i really like bryce rayner just in general as a prospect but especially as a pitcher so i'm glad you brought up the pitching because in digging in on him in the last couple of days i i almost like him better as a pitcher than i do a mm. hitter well welcome um, to the camp let's go peter i love it I love. All right, sweet. I know he hit well at area code. I think it was three seventy five with a triple. He looks good in the box. Obviously, it's a mm. it's a big league body, six four one ninety five. Um, good looking athlete at shortstop, where he's easily got a plus arm. Um, I just am, am really unsure of the pure hit tool. Um, mm. I know at area code it was a nice little taste, but in just mm. looking at what he did, at least what was on synergy with you know the Canes and then Team USA. Uh, yeah there wasn't a whole lot of production there and that's, you know, I'm not trying to knock him or anything, but um, there just wasn't a, I, I wouldn't say it was the best uh, circuit for Rainer. Uh, but he, he felt like hand, he always, he felt like he always was taking really advanced at bats. He always looked comfortable in the box. He would get on base a decent amount. Um, but even at that area codes performance where the results were solid and I think he had more walks than strikeouts, there's just more swing and miss than I was expecting. Um, and I think that's probably his biggest question mark offensively, but, but I'll let you continue with what you saw with him. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think the bat to ball skills are a little bit questionable, but it is a smooth left-handed stroke when he, you know, when he barrels it up, it jumps off his bat pretty easily, but um, I'm just not super bullish on the hit tool, but I'm, I am extremely bullish in with him on the mound. Um, exceptional athlete, super fast, loose arm. As you said, you caught him live, but at least in the video, fastball up to 95, 96 with some arm side run. Little, not like a, a ton of effort in the delivery, and then, you know, a hammer high 70s curveball with a ton of depth, sharp downward bite. I mean, like, I think that it profiles, at least in the future, as a as a 70 type pitch. Um, I'm that high on him in the mound. I, I, I think that the velo could continue to even tick up even further um, or even more. Um, I can't really say enough about how excited I am with the prospects of him being a, a pitcher long-term. Okay. So I'm glad you're on the same page with me here. I know I'm sure people who have seen him a lot as an underclassman where he really focused on hitting more than pitching are probably really in on him as a hitter. And I, again, I think this is a player that you, you kind of let do both until he clearly proves that that one is a significantly better avenue for him moving forward because even though maybe it does, it's not like the best pure contact skills, I think the actions defensively are more than enough for him to stick on the left side of the infield. Uh, it seems like shortstop third base um, could have some questions there just depending on how the body develops, but he's got more than enough arm for the left side. Uh, I think he has reliable hands there. He can throw on the run. He can move laterally enough to stick there and be a solid average defender, probably above average at third base. Um so there's enough in the tank, and it's a left-handed hitter with power. You expect the power to kind of continue developing as he adds more strength. Uh, so I wouldn't write him off as a hitter by any means. But if I had to pick one today, I probably would, would take the arm because I just think it is that electric. I think it's that easy. And with all these two-way players, once they focus on one side, I think there's a, a lot of steps forward they can take. And just the way he moves, how easy it is, the athlete on the mound – I mean, the ease with which he was throwing 95-96 was pretty special. And then he also broke out this hammer breaking ball that you mentioned. It was just very exciting, I would say, when he was on the mound. Um, so I'm curious how much he's actually going to throw this spring because he has just focused on hitting at times in his Harvard-Westlake career. Um, but I talked to some people who, who saw him as a freshman, and they said he was one of the more impressive freshman pitchers they'd seen in years. So... I, I do wonder how much he wants to hit and play every day versus pitch because um, it seems like that's just what he's focused on. But, man, the, the scouting industry is going to try and get him on the mound, I, I imagine. Oh, without a doubt. And I think, you know, as you said, <clears throat> excuse me, he'll obviously hit this year at, at Harvard-Westlake. It's going to be tough to take the bat out of his hands. I, I still think there is upside there, um, especially in terms of growing into more impact, more power. And you mentioned you're getting a guy that's a slam dunk to stick on the left side of the infield, whether that's at shortstop or third. The arm's going to play at either position. Good enough athlete, obviously, to handle shortstop. The actions are there. But, man, on the mound, watching the video, I was extremely, extremely excited about what he can be if, you know, mm -hmm. eventually he, he decides to put the bat down and focus solely on pitching because, I mean, it's a pretty easy 95-96 mid to low three-quarter slot, get some natural arm side run on it. There's life through the zone. And then, as you mentioned, that hammer breaking ball, and, and he moves super, super well. So uh, could kind of go on and on about him on the mound, but I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited. 
I'm, I'm very excited to see how he looks this spring. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, he'll be yet another fun one to watch and, and see what happens with him. Obviously, in Harvard Westlake, they play really great competition. So I think he'll be challenged both, both as, a, as a hitter and a pitcher, more so than your average high school player. And maybe you can take a little bit more from the performance there with him. So those are our five players. Say, yeah, being, no, go ahead. I was going to say, just being at Harvard Westlake, too, which is one of, if not the most notable, I'd say, high school powerhouses, he'll get tons of heat on him on on both sides of the baseball so it'll only benefit him that much more yeah it's super easy for for scouts down there in southern california to see harvard westlake it's a lot of home games for those scouts um i'm not sure is if harvard westlake is trinity league or not i know everyone talks about the trinity league being the the top league in the country but regardless of, of if that's their actual league um they're playing a lot of elite elite teams every year so uh, no shortage of talent down there where they're playing. But those are our five players. Um, running through them again quickly, it was Malcolm Moore, Seaver King, Charlie Condon, Hagen Smith, Bryce Rayner. Let us know who your favorite of this group is, who you're high on, who you're low on, who you're more pessimistic on, uh, what you like about these players, if you want to give us some feedback. Um, Peter is Peter G. Flaherty on Twitter, and I'm Carlos A. Claus on Twitter. You can find us there. Um, Peter, anything you need to plug moving forward for the website? Anything you're working on? Anything you want listeners to uh, to know before we hop out of here? Yeah, the freshman spotlights are going to continue tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to it. Um, tomorrow will be on North Carolina catcher Luke Stevenson. Has had an excellent fall. Seems like he's the favorite to be the everyday backstop there for the Tar Heels. So that'll he's a he's an exciting player that that I'm excited to write about. And then obviously going forward. Um, the National League top tens will start to roll out next week, Monday, starting on Monday, November 6th, and they'll roll all the way through Thanksgiving or the week after Thanksgiving. So a lot of fun times ahead. And then I think in the in the interim, at, at least the week of November 13th, I think it is somewhere in there, I'll have a ranking of the top 10, 15, maybe 20 freshmen with all of their write ups. So excited to dive into that, too. Nice. Yeah, it's been fun to follow those. Um, I think for me, just finished up our high school standouts series from the summer and fall showcases. So basically 100 notable players. If you read all four parts, um, it's a lot of words on a lot of players that, that stood out or are notable prospects in general, just given what they had done entering the summer. Uh, so that's done for me finally. I think the next up is focusing on some prospect handbook work. Uh, and then on the draft side, at some point, I know they're going to be uh, hammering us to update these draft lists, so that'll be coming as well. There's a lot of information that is uh, actionable to uh, kind of get these lists more up-to-date and give you a live look at of how the industry is seeing these players in the 2024 class. So that's next up for me uh, in terms of Baseball America. There's a ton going on on the site outside of what me and Peter are doing. Uh, top 10 should start rolling out on the site in the very near future, so if you're looking forward to updated top 10s for uh, big league teams and minor league prospects that is on the way um, and if you haven't ordered your prospect handbook yet uh, i would do so now you can pre-order i think you get a deal if you go directly through us so if you know that's something you want to do uh, head over to the website and check that out now but uh otherwise thank you guys for listening thanks for hanging out with us um for peter i'm carlos we'll see you next time